Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. WABC New York and 107.1 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Monday, November 20th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today cooler than it has been. A high 47. Tonight, and overnight clouds low 30. 37 and then Tuesday clouds in the morning showers in the afternoon high 49 if you're walking out the door with us right now 32 and clear up in New City in Rockland County 33 and clear in Rawway down in Kendall uh, rather 33 and clear I should say in Kendall Park New Jersey and it is 36 and clear here in Midtown right outside our studios we'll start this half hour with the uh, death of former first lady Rosalind or Rosalind Carter, depending on which side of the block you live on, the wife of the nation's 39th president. She passed away, age of 96 yesterday. She had, a family had announced that she was going into home hospice on Friday. And unlike her husband, you remember when they announced that he was going into home hospice, he was tired of all the hospitalizations Jimmy Carter was. And so he went into home hospice back in February. And I think all the news networks were putting together the obituaries of his life. And here we are now, all these months later, and he is still around, thankfully. Uh, but she passed away yesterday. Uh, biographer Jonathan Alter, giving a little more background on the former first lady. Well, she was a tremendous uh, combination of formidable uh, public figure and enormously gracious Person. The Carter Center announcing she passed away at her home in Plains. She married Jimmy Carter back in 1946. They were married for 77 years, which is really unbelievable. As First Lady, she was active part of the administration, serving as the president's uh, personal emissary to Latin American countries, even sitting in on cabinet meetings. When Rosalind Carter would get involved in an issue, the president's staff was happy about it because they thought that maybe she could get through to um, her stubborn husband. She focused on advocacy and performing arts programs, also improving mental health. It was truly, no exaggeration, one of the greatest love stories ever. Yeah, no doubt about that. Reactions of Imagine are pouring in from all over the nation on the death of the former First Lady. For her efforts on mental health and caregiving, and women's rights. So I hope that uh, during the holidays, uh, you'll consider saying you include the Carter family in your prayers. That's the current First Lady, Jill Biden, remembering her yesterday. Former President Trump, former First Lady Melania Trump, putting out a statement yesterday that Carter was a devoted First Lady, a great humanitarian, a champion for mental health, and a beloved wife to her husband. Uh, Representative Congresswoman Nancy Pelosi putting out a statement, too, that Carter was 
a leader deeply driven by her profound faith, compassion, and kindness. And not even in death can uh, the love between the two Carters be stolen away. We just developed this really good partnership that has lasted for a long time. Rosalind Carter married James Earl Carter Jr., better known as Jimmy, on July 7th in 1946 while he served in the Navy. The couple met because Rosalind was a friend of his sister Ruth, and they even kissed on the first date. The strong marriage saw ups and downs, including conflict, when the pair decided to write a book, according to them both, during a talk at the Aspen Institute. That was the worst experience of my life. That almost terminated our marriage. We survived that, and and that's why we're still married today. The couple raised three sons and a daughter. After politics, they volunteered with charities like Habitat for Humanity, founded the Carter Center, and became leaders in their church. Jimmy once told reporters, his marriage to Rosalind is the most important thing in my life. I'm Rebecca Hughes. You know, I was fortunate enough to meet the Carters uh, twice. One that I don't remember because I was a really little kid. I was at their inaugural ball. I grew up uh, the first 10 years of my life in D.C., and our neighbors were in the Carter cabinet. So we were invited to the inaugural ball back in 1976. No remembrance of that. But uh, years later, during Habitat for Humanity, when I was a reporter in Charleston, South Carolina, they asked us to go help on a Habitat for Humanity house. And the Carters were there, as they always were, not just you know for photo ops. They were actually doing work. And I was there for a photo op, and I, for the life of me, can't nail a nail into anything. And so they handed me a hammer, put me on camera to nail in some nails in the foundation of this house. And uh, there I was. They was on camera, you know, putting the nails in. And uh, when it was over, there was a guy who was behind me who pulled all of my nails out because I had done such a horrible job. So, um... Uh, Rosalind, Rosalind, she flouted stereotypes of first ladies as a hostess and fashion maven. She apparently brought dresses off the rack, established an East Wing office with her own staff and initiatives. Either way, just, uh, you know, did a lot of great things in her life for sure, post-presidency and even while she was in the White House. 505. It is Joe Biden's birthday today. I don't know that he wants anybody really talking about it because the more we talk about it, we talk about how old he is. Uh, he's 81 today, observing the White House tradition today of pardoning Thanksgiving turkeys, the gobblers receiving executive clemency at a ceremony later today. They're named Liberty and Bell. The turkey pardon ceremony marks, of course, the unofficial start of the holiday season in D.C., and it'll be an especially busy day for the Bidens at the White House. In addition to celebrating the president's birthday, uh, Jill Biden also welcomes the delivery of an 18 and a half foot Fraser fur from North Carolina as the official White House Christmas tree. So here we are. Wow, it's unbelievable, right? That it's already Thanksgiving and the Christmas season is about to begin. I know we say this every year, but this year it felt like it came really fast. Like all of a sudden it was summer and here we are already at Thanksgiving. WABC News Time 508. Let's go out to the Middle East. Israel's ambassador to the U.S. says his country's government against a ceasefire, but willing to agree to a pause in fighting for the release of hostages. Michael Herzog outlining the difference between a pause and a ceasefire. It's not a ceasefire because we will continue to push against Hamas to dismantle their military infrastructure and their terror infrastructure. We're not going to stop that. Herzog said a pause in the fighting would last for a few days to allow for a significant number of hostages to be released. Getting all kinds of word about this hostage deal, that there's paperwork being handed around, but nothing sealed yet. Uh, More from Herzog here. We're against ceasefire 
because that would uh, allow Hamas to retain power, to regroup, to rearm and strike again. And Herzog pushing back, as the Israelis have, on the death toll numbers being reported out of Gaza, those numbers being reported by the Hamas-led health ministry. The overall numbers, I don't know and you don't know how many of them are terrorists and how many of them are innocent civilians. Either way, definitely a lot of people dead, but we don't know the exact numbers. A senior White House official says a deal to release the hostages held by Hamas is close, but nowhere near final. Deputy National Security Advisor John Finer making his rounds on the news shows yesterday. At this point, uh, we really need to adhere to the mantra that nothing is agreed until everything is agreed. Uh, you know, sensitive negotiations like this can fall apart at the last minute. So we're not going to outline all the details of, of what is still being discussed. But Finer says this is the closest the negotiations have come for the release of the hostages so far. At this point, uh, we really need to adhere to the mantra that nothing is agreed until everything is agreed. Uh, you know, sensitive negotiations like this can fall apart at the last minute. So we're not going to outline all the details of, of what is still being discussed. What I can say at this point is that some of the outstanding areas of disagreement uh, in a very complicated, very sensitive uh, negotiation have been narrowed. Yeah, so the thought is if they were to release some of the hostages, it would be those who are sick and frail, kids and women. We believe uh, that this needs to get done, that people are being held in in unconscionable uh, conditions inside Gaza, including a number of Americans, and that they need to be allowed to come home. And then you have uh, some of the senators taking to the news shows over the weekend as well, saying there has to be more transparency when it comes to this war between Hamas and Israel. Senator Richard Blumenthal says they want to know more about the Al-Shifa hospital and what took place when there. I have attended briefings in the classified section of the United States Capitol. I say at the end, you know, our adversaries know this stuff. They know we know this stuff. We know they know we know it. The only people who don't know it are the American public. So the Israelis have said that Al-Shifa Hospital with terrorists, uh, Hamas cells have been working from underneath that hospital and tunnels deep below. Uh, the World Health Organization, United Nations, not, doesn't necessarily believe that's true. They did call the hospital a death zone. Here's more from Blumenthal yesterday. Here is the key point that I think is so important. There needs to be more transparency. Both Israel and the United States need to release more of this intelligence. All right, we'll watch this, of course, as the day wears on. Again, there was word this morning that there had been some paperwork handed around to all the people involved and that uh, played out all the details of this hostage exchange for a pause in the fighting in Gaza and that all sides were maybe on board, but no confirmation of that at 512 right now. Let's go out to the 2024 White House campaign trail, a co-chair of President Biden's reelection campaign, downplaying polls that show him trailing potential Republican presidential candidates head to head. Delaware Senator Chris Coons focusing on positive results from the 2020 midterm elections and in-state elections and referendums that took place earlier this month. What matters is the elections that just happened. Um, The off-year elections were uh, very positive for Democrats across the country. So Coons, uh, quick to point out that former President Barack Obama won in both 2008 and 2012, despite trailing against any possible GOP opponent in polls a year prior to those elections. Those are rooted in his record of actual accomplishment. 
We have the lowest unemployment for the longest period of time in modern American history. He's really accomplished significant things on a bipartisan basis. In 2007, a year out from the 2008 election, I'll remind you uh, that poll after poll was showing that Barack Obama was going to lose to Rudy Giuliani. And in 2011, that Barack Obama was going to lose to Mitt Romney. Head-to-head polls a year out, frankly, don't say much at all. Yeah, but David Axelrod, who was Obama's uh, senior advisor, he's the reason they're all pushing back against us. He said he thought Biden had a 50-50 chance at best of winning re-election next year. One of former President Trump's opponents in the 2024 GOP primary says this is not the same Trump who was elected back in 2016. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis says Trump's 2016 campaign was about being edgy and shaking things up. Now he's wedded to the teleprompter. He's not willing to debate. And he's running on many of the same things he promised to do in 2016 and didn't deliver. DeSantis criticizing Trump for not taking part in any of the Republican debates so far. So I've said publicly the presidency is not a job for an 80-year-old. Donald Trump would actually be older on January 20th, 2025 than Biden was on January 20th, 2021. He didn't build the wall, and Mexico sure didn't pay for it because you would not have been able to have 8 million people come in illegally if we had a fully constructed wall. He also said he would drain the swamp, and yet the swamp is more powerful than ever. DeSantis, uh, by the way, his numbers are not so great. He's now trailing um, uh, Nikki Haley in a number of uh, early primary states. And then you had Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin slamming the judge who's allowing former President Trump to remain on the Republican primary ballot in Colorado. Raskin says it's preposterous to keep Trump on the ballot, even though the judge admitted in her ruling that Trump incited the U.S. Capitol riots back on January 6, 2021. That is the paradigm act of domestic violence of our time, which Republicans like DeSantis will never uh, reject or renounce or denounce. So everything else that they say about it is phony. Yeah, but Democrats lost that battle. Trump will be on the ballot next year. If, if sources assuming that he is the Republican nominee. All right, 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Finally, a, ju- a win for Tommy DeVito and the Giants. No? How about that, Noam Layden? Maybe he is the future. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's not get carried away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we will start on the gridiron in Washington, D.C., where the Giants snapped out of their Basically, season-long scoring coma to de- uh, deliver a 31-19 to beatdown of the Commanders on uh, the Commanders' home field. The Giants, D for six Commanders turnovers, including three uh, Sam Howell interceptions to help New York complete the season sweep of their division rival. Two of their three wins this year have come against the Commanders. In his second NFL start and drafted rookie quarterback, Tommy DeVito completed 18 of 26 passes for 246 yards, three TD passes in route to his first NFL win. Two of those TD passes went to Saquon Barkley, while the remaining one ended up in the hands of Darius Slayton. And with the win, New York improves to a much less embarrassing three and eight on the year, while Washington falls to four and seven. In Buffalo, did you see that the Giants had to take cold showers at the end of that game yesterday? No, why? Uh, I don't know. Something was wrong at FedEx Field. There was no hot water in the Giants' locker room, the yeah, visiting well, locker room. I mean, that's a notoriously um, not well-run 
arena. Oh, stadium. so it wasn't no. like they were just mad that they lost to the Giants. Well, they could have been. Oh, okay. They could have been bitter about it. But, uh, yeah, that, no, that place is historically not a great place for uh, visiting football teams to huh. play. Yeah, they, they were so excited about the win, they needed cold showers. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, or right, that. Exactly. Or that, Lewis. <laughs> right, because they were so hot. They were so hot from scoring so many points. Oh, yes. <laughs> In Buffalo, the Jets found themselves on the wrong side of a romp at the hands of the division rival Bills, losing 32-6 to in a game that was never really theirs from the get-go. Buffalo scored on six of its first eight possessions uh, yesterday, pulling away early and often to put the Jets away with ease. New York falling to 4-6 and six overall with the loss dropped their third straight, and Coach Robert Sala potentially opened the door for a quarterback switch. Uh, starter Zach Wilson was benched with uh, just over two minutes remaining in the third quarter and replaced by Tim Boyle, who clearly didn't uh, fare much better. After spending the past few weeks backing Wilson, Sala said he was going to watch the tape before making a decision at some point today. So we'll keep an eye out for that. Week 11 wraps up tonight with a Super Bowl 57 rematch between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. Kickoff is set for 8.15 p.m. in KC, and the Chiefs head in as two-and-a-half-point home favorites. On the hardwood, the Nets fell at home against the Philadelphia 76ers by a score of 121-99. to Good for their second straight loss, and one that halts a three-game home win streak. Tonight in Minnesota, the Knicks are back on the court as they get set to face the Timberwolves. Tip-off there, scheduled for 8 p.m. No ice hockey action to get to from yesterday, but the Rangers will lace them up tonight in Dallas against the Stars. Puck drive for the Hockey Blue Shirts is scheduled for 8 p.m. tonight. No, that is sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 520. SpaceX over the weekend launched its second Starship rocket. Four, three, two, one. So that liftoff, it came a few minutes after 8 o'clock on Saturday, but then the ground crew lost communications with the unmanned rocket about eight minutes later. So shortly after stage separation, the rocket's massive, super heavy booster just exploded. And then the Starship vehicle itself detonated before reaching its target altitude. Now they're trying to figure out why. So is, is the NTSB that will be involved in that investigation. Of course, Elon Musk owns uh, SpaceX. He says today he's going to file a thermonuclear lawsuit against the nonprofit watch gro- uh, group Media Matters and others as major companies stop advertising on Twitter, or now it's known as X, after it looked like Elon Musk had liked some uh, anti-Semitic statements on the platform. In a post on Saturday, Musk wrote he'll file the lawsuit. The split-second court opens on Monday. He accused Media Matters and unnamed others of colluding to attack his company, Apple, Disney, Warner Brothers Discovery... And IBM reportedly have paused advertising on X over an anti-Semitism storm that's swirling around the social media platform. I'm Brad Siegel. I guess he just has to come out and say it's not true, but it sure looked like he liked some anti-Semitic posts on his ex. A looming volcano eruption in Island, uh, Iceland rather, has neighbors there on edge. All 3,800 residents near the volcano site have been forced to evacuate in Iceland. I'm very scared, and I don't know what is going to happen. My house and everything, I've lived in my house for 40 years. Yeah, some scary moments for those neighbors in Iceland. Emergency management says they're expecting an eruption at any time. There are major infrastructures which are broken, so we're getting electricity on and off. Yeah, so the best part is everybody's gotten out of the way, at least for now. Hundreds of Georgia 
congregations. They're leaving the United Methodist Church over a divide on LGBTQ issues. The North Georgia Conference of the United Methodist Church voted Saturday to accept the decision of 261 congregations to leave the denomination. As of August, more than 6,000 Methodist congregations of just over 30,000 in the U.S. have been approved for disaffiliation since 2019. In recent decades, a number of traditional mainline Protestant denominations have splits over homosexuality and related issues. In addition to the United Methodist Church, they include the American Baptist Churches USA, the Episcopal Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and the Presbyterian Church USA. I'm Scott Carr. WABC News Time 523. The Thanksgiving travel season, uh, well, it's been underway, I guess, all weekend. It is expected to be the busiest one ever. More from correspondent Tom Costello. Well, the Thanksgiving travel rush has extended and expanded because more people work remotely or can work remotely, and therefore they leave early, work at that remote location, and then they stay later to avoid the crowds also working remotely. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I don't know about you, but I could find parking in my neighborhood, which is never easy. That tells me people have left early. More than 55 million Americans going to travel 50 miles or more for Thanksgiving this year. That also means more people can travel, can fly. And the TSA expecting 30 million people will be flying as of today through the end of the travel period. Costello uh, also talking about gas prices, which are lower than they were last year. The good news is gas prices are so much lower than a year ago, 40 cents cheaper in the south. It's below $3 a gallon. Yeah, I was paying uh, $2.99 over the weekend. I was shocked to see that. And so the big question is, what can you bring on the plane? Now, I guess there are people, a fair amount of them, who bring food with them when they get on a plane to celebrate on the other side for Thanksgiving, like a jello mold or a bean casserole. Well, TSA says some of that stuff has to be packed away. While most foods can be carried through airport checkpoints, some need to be checked into baggage. TSA officials say if it's a solid item like baked goods, meats, stuffing, or casseroles, it can go through a checkpoint. If you can spill it, spread it, spray it, pump it, or pour it, and it's larger than 3.4 ounces, then it should go in a checked bag. That means pack the cranberry sauce, gravy, and apple cider in the checked luggage. Nika Magalhis, News Radio. Can't you just make it when you get there? I can't imagine bringing a casserole with me or a turkey on a plane, but I guess there's people out there who do that if the TSA has to put out that warning. 525, Taylor Swift postponing the second show of her Eras tour in Brazil after a fan died at her concert the night before. The young woman reportedly felt sick during the show and was taken to the stadium's first aid center, then to a hospital where she died an hour later. Her cause of death has not been announced, but videos of the concert show Swift saying people needed water. Water bottles were allegedly not allowed inside the stadium, despite fans waiting hours online in record-breaking temperatures. Swift says the safety of her fans, performers, and crew will always come first. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. WABC News Time 526. This is Mariah Carey's time of year. All I want for Christmas is always the biggest single of the season. She's kicked off a tour. Uh, here she was. You're sorting out who's naughty and nice? Sure, I would love to help you. Where would you like me to go? She said uh, Santa himself requested the tour. Okay, and she's happy to oblige. And do you have a message you'd like me to pass on? Okay, got it. All right, love you. Bye. Merry Christmas, one and all. 
See you soon. Yeah, she's really active on Instagram and some of the other social media platforms. Uh, the tour going to visit 13 cities, including New York City. The opening bell, it rings this morning after Wall Street wrapped up a week on a positive note. That's last week. At the closing bell on Friday, the Dow rose two points. S&P 500 rose by six. The Nasdaq gained 12 points. Talk Radio 77. WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Monday, November 20th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today, high 47. Tonight and overnight, clouds low 37. And then Tuesday, well, some clouds in the morning, showers in the afternoon, high 49. If you're walking out the door with us right now, so happy you are. 32 and clear in New City up in Rockland County. 33 and clear in Kendall Park down in New Jersey. And it is 36 and clear outside our Midtown studios. We'll start this half hour with dog panic. This is the big talk in the dog park over the last couple days, dogs in at least 10 states have been coming down with a mysterious and potentially fatal respiratory illness. The mysterious respiratory illness in dogs has not reached New York yet, but still veterinarians really worried about this. Dr. Carly Fox, she's from the Schwartzman Animal Medical Center here in Manhattan. She says it's only a matter of time, especially now during the holidays when people travel with these dogs, uh, till the virus gets here. She spoke to WPIX. I think people- People should be at this point like mildly worried. Like we need to start paying more attention, I think, than we usually do. We just don't know enough yet, and it's not that prevalent in New York. So here's the frightening part. Some of these dogs have passed away. Uh, the illness so far hasn't really responded well to antibiotics. Some cases of the pneumonia can progress quickly, making dogs really sick within just 24 to 36 hours. So the doctor here says, if you think your dog is not doing so well, uh, you should probably bring them in. But here are some of the signs to look for. So when your animal's at rest, like on the floor, laying down, their respiratory rate should really be below 35, below 40 um, when they are at rest. So if anything is higher than that or you notice an increased effort when they breathe, their abdomen moves, um, or you can actually see their respirations very um, obviously, then it's definitely a reason to go in. She also says you should look for a persistent cough, a nasal discharge, discharge from the eye, and just an overall a dog who doesn't want to go out or run around. And any of those things pop up, she says you should absolutely bring them in. 534, some in law enforcement expressing a whole lot of concern over the recently passed Clean Slate Act. Governor Hochul putting her signature to paper on this bill uh, last week. It promises millions of New Yorkers with conviction records a second chance. Hochul signed the law at the end of last week. It helps those with convictions uh, uh, get better opportunities to get jobs, stable housing, and pursue higher education. At least that's the sell on it. The head of the Yonkers PBA, uh, Keith Olson, says he's not so sure that the Clean Slate Act is a good idea. It's another example of of prioritizing the rights of criminals as opposed to 
law-abiding citizens. Um, and once again, they did not listen to the advice of law enforcement. And, uh, and here we are. The ACLU, though, pushing back, saying clean slate is good for some New Yorkers. Well, clean slate doesn't apply to murders and it doesn't apply to sex offenses. So that's uh, and it doesn't apply to the most significant crimes that involve significant violence. Normally, what we're talking about are very low level crimes, typically uh, based upon a person's affluence. You either get charged or don't. So the clean slate act allows the sealing of criminal records for those who have been previously incarcerated, but does not apply to those who are currently serving a sentence or under supervision. 535, another parking garage in Hell's Kitchen has been ordered to partially vacate and to tell its customers to remove their cars. It comes as the Department of Buildings continues its ramped up inspections following April's deadly parking garage collapse. This one is the Skyline Hotel parking garage. That's the one that's all the way over on 10th Avenue and 49th Street. They were issued a partial vacate ordered by the DOB, which deemed the garage to be in severe state of disrepair. CBS actually found out that uh, the garage has 115 cars are allowed on the cellar floor at this garage, but they were parking 162 there. Also, 30 cars are allowed apparently on the first floor of this garage, but they were parking 70 there. It's a little frightening. Uh, a parking attendant spoke to CBS, says um, the garage is still open, just some floors are not. This garage has three sections, A, B, and M. So they close only section B. Okay, the DOB says it ordered the garage to notify customers to begin removing cars. So this is one of these garages where you don't get your own car. Somebody goes and gets it for you. So this guy was waiting outside. He said, okay, yeah, get my car out. I don't want anything to collapse on top of it. I guess I could say I'm glad I'm not in the garage. Yeah, right? Just my car is. So we'll, we'll wait out here for the car to be pulled up, and then I think we'll be okay. Yeah, last week, the Hudson View garage just up the street on West 51st Street was also ordered to vacate. It sits above train tracks, and as a precaution for a while last week, Amtrak suspended service just to make sure everything was okay. WABC News Time 539. A woman was thrown to her death early yesterday after a car slammed into her on the Bruckner in the Bronx. The driver of that vehicle still being sought by police for striking the woman. This was about one in the morning near the Bronx River Parkway exit in the Soundview section. That 32-year-old woman was knocked off an overpass, fell onto Bronx River Avenue. She'd just been involved in a fender bender with another person, and they were exchanging insurance information when she was hit. I mean, just horrendous. Uh, there have been five uh, hit-and-run deaths in New York City just over the last week. That's people who were hit and killed, and the drivers took off. In two of those cases, it was two drivers who hit the same person, and none of these people uh, have been caught. It's only a matter of time. I just heard a boom and a bang. Crazy. It was something I've never seen before. I saw people running across the street. Yeah, that was uh, one of the witnesses to that hit and run. The driver and all of these crashes still in the wind. They have not found them. Thanksgiving, just days away, of course. Millions of Americans leaving home for the holiday. Plane, train, automobile. It's predicted to be a record-setting week. The TSA expects about 30 million passengers to fly between the start of uh, travel week, which was last week, and um, next Tuesday. Some flyers we found were jetting out early yesterday from LaGuardia Airport, and they say it was pretty calm, actually, there yesterday. I believe that. I'm sure it's going to be a nightmare. We're making it back home to Chicago now. Enjoyed our time in New York, so absolutely. Yeah, going back home, spending time with family. 
Can't wait for the holidays. Yeah, the guess is though, if you head there today, it'll you'll you know it'll be a lot more crazy. That rush looks insane. That rush looks absolutely insane. The traffic must be horrible, especially coming into the airports and everything. Yeah, so when it comes to the road, AAA predicts about 55 million people will drive 50 miles or further for Thanksgiving. That's a 2.3 increase from last year. The busiest day on the road expected to be Wednesday, that according to the AAA. The advice I've been giving for 20 years now is to leave Thanksgiving morning itself. Yeah, so that's apparently the best time. The worst time is Wednesday and Sunday morning. American Airlines has both expanded its schedule for the busy holiday and enlisted larger planes to handle the high volume of travelers, while United has added more than 550,000 seats to meet the increased demand of the holiday. So if you're somebody heading to the airport to fly out, know that you're definitely not going to be alone. At Newark Airport, uh, they expect it to be the busiest hub they've had maybe in the history of Newark Airport. A TSA worker there says this is her advice for anybody who's traveling uh, between now and next Tuesday. For this whole week, it's going to be madness here. If your flight is at 7, come at 4. Please, come ahead of your flight. That's what I can tell everybody right now. Oh, my God, I would never get there three hours earlier. But uh, apparently she says that's good advice for this week. So maybe follow her advice and not mine. Some libraries here in the city will begin closing on Sundays due to the mayor's budget cuts. The Bronx, Manhattan, some Queens libraries will end Sunday service uh, as of next Sunday. Uh, the Brooklyn Public Library will do the same in December. Mayor Adams says it's a cost-cutting measure prompted by the growing expenses related to the migrant mess here in the city. Uh, people who use the library, and there's a fair amount of them, say this is awful because Sunday was a big day for them. It makes me devastated to hear that they're cutting back uh, the Sunday schedule. I come here religiously every Sunday. Uh, I come here to study. I come here for quiet time. Yeah, well, you won't be able to do it on Sundays anymore. Uh, Mayor Adams says all city agencies, including the NYPD, going to be making these financial cutbacks. The city's three library systems say that losing money from the Sunday closures will impact how much they can spend on maintenance and other library resources. By the way, we took to the streets here in Midtown to get your reaction to all these budget cuts that include trash, the FDNY, NYPD, education. You can go to WABCRadio.com to see how New Yorkers are reacting to that. Are you one of the lucky people that have seen Flacco the Owl? Nan Knighton did not know who Flacco was, but uh, it ended up on the windowsill of her apartment staring right at her. Uh, her and her husband said this owl was beautiful, this Eurasian eagle owl. Uh, this was the owl that uh, catapulted into the headlines back in February when vandals opened his enclosure at the Central Park Zoo. And remember, they spent weeks trying to coax the owl out of a tree, worried they said that it would die because it didn't have anybody to feed them. But here we are uh, almost a year later, and the owl seems to be doing fine and hanging out on this windowsill on the Upper East Side. To me, he was just the owl. He's just so, so beautiful. When I'd be there, he'd swivel his neck around. Like, oh, you're there now. (laughs) It was really, oh, he was really the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen. Yeah, and so they started describing this owl to their friends, and they said, wait, that's Flacco the owl. So, of course, all the excitement. Huge eyes were laser-focused on us, which I think was just protection. You know, what are they going to do? When we move here, he goes here. When we move there, he moves there. And and when I got too close, he'd like 
little tiny hiss. So the thought is the sow is surviving on food from the streets, including rats, which, of course, there are plenty of, of in the big city. And if that's the case, his belly is pretty full. It brings people together for some reason. And who does it but an animal, an owl, you know, as opposed to politicians or other people? Yeah, there's been sightings all over the city, Upper East Side, Lower East Side, and, of course, in Central Park. All right, 545, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Gnome Layden, starting on the gridiron in Washington, D.C. The New York football Giants snapped out of their basically season-long scoring coma to deliver a 31-19 beatdown of the Commanders on the Commanders' home field. The Giants' D forced six Washington turnovers, including three Sam Howell interceptions to help New York complete the season sweep of their division rival. In his second NFL start, undrafted rookie quarterback Tommy DeVito completed 18 of 26 passes for 246 yards and three TD passes and route to his first NFL win. Two of those touchdown passes went to Saquon Barkley, while the remaining one ended up in the hands of Darius Slayton. With the win, New York improves to a much less embarrassing 3-8 and on the year, while Washington falls to 4-7. and In Buffalo, the Jets found themselves on the wrong side of a romp at the hands of the division rival Bills, losing 32-6 to in a game that was never really theirs uh, from the get-go, I should say. Buffalo scored on six of its first eight possessions yesterday, pulling away early and often to put the Jets away with ease. New York falling to 4-6 and overall with the loss, dropped their third straight, and coach Robert Sala potentially opened the door for a quarterback switch. Starter Zach Wilson was benched with uh, just over two minutes remaining in the third quarter and replaced by Tim Boyle, who clearly didn't fare much better after spending the past few weeks backing Wilson. Salah said he wasn't, or he was, I should say, going to make, uh, going to watch the tape before making a decision at some point today. So we'll keep an eye on that. Week 11 wraps up tonight with a Super Bowl 57 rematch between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. Kickoff is set for 8.15 p.m. in KC, and the Chiefs head in as two-and-a-half-point favorites. On the hardwood, the Nets fell at home against the Philadelphia 76ers by a score of 121-99, to good for their second straight loss and one that halts a three-game home win streak. Tonight in Minnesota, the Knicks are back on the court as they get set to face the Timberwolves, tip off theirs, scheduled for 8 p.m. No ice hockey action to get to from yesterday, but the Rangers will lace them up tonight in Dallas against the Stars. Puff drop for the Hockey Blue Shirts is scheduled for 8 p.m. tonight. No, I'm not sports, and I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. Let's catch you up on the big stories of the morning. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter, the wife of the nation's 39th president, passing away yesterday at the age of 96. We were told on Friday that they had moved her into home hospice care. And, uh, well, she passed away just about 48 hours later. This was a Sunday at 2 p.m. The announcement came from the Carter family. Of course, Jimmy Carter, you'll remember, went into hospice care last February and does uh, still with us. Jonathan Alter, he's a Carter biographer. Here's more on what he had to say on the former first lady. Well, she was a tremendous uh, combination of formidable uh, public figure and enormously gracious person. An amazing love story between her and Jimmy. They married back in 1946, married for 77 years. When Rosalind Carter would get involved in an issue, the president's staff was happy about it because they thought that maybe she could get through to um, her stubborn husband. <laughs> it was truly, no exaggeration, one of the greatest love stories Ever. Yeah, it sure seemed that way. Reactions have begun to pour in, of course, following her death. Known for her efforts on mental health and caregiving, 
and women's rights. So I hope that uh, during the holidays uh, you'll consider saying you include the Carter family in your prayers. That's the current First Lady, Jill B- uh, Biden, former President Trump, First Lady Melania. They were saluting her over the weekend as well. Nancy Pelosi also putting out a statement saying that she was a leader deeply driven by her profound faith. And, of course, everybody talked about the fact that they had this love and this marriage that lasted so long. We just developed this really good partnership that has lasted for a long time. Rosalind Carter married James Earl Carter Jr., better known as Jimmy, on July 7th in 1946 while he served in the Navy. The couple met because Rosalind was a friend of his sister Ruth, and they even kissed on the first date. The strong marriage saw ups and downs, including conflict, when the pair decided to write a book, according to them both, during a talk at the Aspen Institute. That was the worst experience of my life. That almost terminated our marriage. We survived that, and and that's why we're still married today. The couple raised three sons and a daughter. After politics, they volunteered with charities like Habitat for Humanity, founded the Carter Center, and became leaders in their church. Jimmy once told reporters, his marriage to Rosalind is the most important thing in my life. I'm Rebecca Hughes. She uh, flouted stereotypes of first ladies as hostesses and fashion mavens. She proudly would say that she bought her dresses off the rack. Uh, She established an East Wing office with her own staff and initiatives, a push that culminated, you'll remember, uh, in the Mental Health System Act of 1980. That was to steer more federal money to treating mental health. I mean, it was a long time ago. Um, the At the Carter Center, she launched a fellowship also for journalists to pursue better coverage of mental health issues. So sad to see, gone at 96. 552, President Joe Biden, he is spending part of his 81st birthday today observing the White House tradition of pardoning Thanksgiving turkeys. Big day for him, apparently. The Gobblers receiving executive clemency at a ceremony. Uh, they're named Liberty and Bell. The turkey pardon ceremony marks the unofficial start, of course, of the holiday season in D.C. It'll be a busy day at the White House. In addition to celebrating the president's birthday, Jill Biden also welcomes the delivery of an 18 and a half foot Fraser fur from North Carolina as the official White House Christmas tree. Out in the Middle East, Israel's ambassador to the U.S. says his nation's government against a ceasefire, but willing to agree to a pause in the fighting for the release of some hostages. We are getting back and forth stories all weekend long that there's some paperwork being shared between all sides about letting some of these hostages go. Here's Michael Herzog, the Israel's ambassador to the U.S. It's not a ceasefire because we will continue to push against Hamas to dismantle their military infrastructure and their terror infrastructure. We're not going to stop that. So Herzog says a pause in the fighting would last for just a few days to allow for a significant number of hostages to be released. We're against ceasefire because that would uh, allow Hamas to retain power, to regroup, to rearm, and strike again. So anybody who tells you they know firm details about this is not telling you the truth. But what we have heard is the people that would be released most likely would be kids, followed by uh, sick and uh, ill people, followed by senior citizens. Uh, Herzog also yesterday, taking to the news shows, uh, pushing back against the death toll in Gaza. Now, the numbers have been reported by the Hamas-led health ministry, and Herzog says, yeah, for sure civilians have been killed, but maybe not as numbers that Gaza's reporting. The overall numbers, I don't know, and you don't know how many of them are terrorists and how many of them are innocent civilians. And then you had a senior White House official taking to the news shows as well, talking about this hostage deal. 
uh, saying that it is close but not final. Deputy National Security Advisor John Finer says this is the closest the negotiations for the hostages have come so far. At this point, uh, we really need to adhere to the mantra that nothing is agreed until everything is agreed. Uh, you know, sensitive negotiations like this can fall apart at the last minute. So we're not going to outline all the details of, of what is still being discussed. Yeah, it'd be interesting to be in those meetings. At this point, uh, we really need to adhere to the mantra that nothing is agreed until everything is agreed. Uh, you know, sensitive negotiations like this can fall apart at the last minute. So we're not going to outline all the details of, of what is still being discussed. Of course, or as more information comes in on that hostage deal, we'll pass them on to you. And connected to that story, you had big pro-Palestinian marches over the weekend here in Midtown in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Here in Midtown over the weekend, they stopped in front of businesses that do business in Israel and asked those businesses to stop doing so. As that was taking place, you had Mayor Adams who went to Shabbat services at the city's largest synagogue to reassure the Jewish community that they'll be protected as anti-Semitic incidents have spiked big time. Something is wrong with that in the city of New York where we have the largest Jewish population outside of Israel. If you don't feel safe here, where else can you feel safe? We have to turn change that course. That was the mayor at Temple Emmanuel outside the synagogue. Just a couple blocks away, there was a huge pro-Palestinian march. And disgusted oh. that America gave or is giving $14 billion to basically kill more people. That I'm seeing propaganda on my TV, having my president lie to my face, having all these politicians who are just one-sided. It just makes me wonder, like, what is really happening? No arrests in any of those protests over the weekend. And finally, Hofstra students helping their community over the weekend by raking lawns for the university's annual Shake a Rake program. This began back in 2009. Uh, Students from that community out on Long Island, they go and rake the lawns of senior citizens and disabled neighbors. That's a nice thing to do. As I get older, it becomes more important for me to have some help in maintaining this place. And this certainly fulfills that. Yeah, that's Mary Waldron, who is one of the lucky ones to have her front lawn raked over the weekend.